welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast, where we're living for preventative mental health, love and compassion. Great to have your company again. I'm Caroline Heim, for those that don't know, and today we continue our series, Negotiating Diversity with Insights from Science and Clinical Psychiatry. In this episode, we're going to get to the heart of the matter and look at how diversity issues can lead to mental health issues. We'll be sharing some stories along the way to illustrate. So if you like these podcasts, please subscribe, spread the word, and recommend them to others. And here's Dr. Christian Heim. Hello, here I am. And as you know by now, Christian will be interrupting along the way. He tends to. Chapter two, how does culture affect mental health? Understanding what's diverse in diversity. Unity, not uniformity, must be our aim. We attain unity only through variety. Differences must be integrated, not annihilated, not absorbed. Social worker Mary Parker Follett. In this chapter, we explore how cultural issues can affect individual mental health. Being aware of this and being aware of how different we are as people will help reduce the amount of stigma and alienation in our society. The point of this chapter is to help us understand that our differences in so many behavioural details has adverse consequences, including mental illness. And understanding and accepting these differences without imparting blame will be protective for our mental health and help us get on as people. We explore this in the context of cultural difference as a springboard to help negotiate the more complex diversities we face. Culture affecting mental health and relationships. The impact of cultural issues on psychiatric diagnosis is underrecognized. Cultural issues can predispose, trigger or perpetuate mental illness. They can especially lead to depression, anxiety and brief psychosis. Cultural issues can be the focus of clinical attention with or without a psychiatric diagnosis. It's always helpful to address the underlying cultural factors when treating mental illness and being aware of culture and diversity is part of preventative mental health. I do this routinely in my clinical practice. Take home message. For preventative mental health, be aware of culture and diversity. Okay, so just want to stop right there. I can see that we're concentrating a lot on cultural diversity, but surely you see people in your office with other diversity issues. I do. I do a lot. In fact, a lot more than cultural issues. Yes, sure. But the thing is that diversity issues have become a, a... a polarizing thing in today's society. And so what happens is when we hear stories of people who have diversity issues, Mm. uh, we already think about a background of what we agree with or what we don't agree with. And the other thing is that we're not even on top of our cultural problems. And culture has been with us for thousands of years, but definitely for the last hundred years when we've been jet-setting around the globe, And we see all these cultural differences. And I see a lot of couples, for example, that have cultural differences in their marriages. Um, We have cultural differences in our marriage. Mm. And culture can become something that rubs against each other. And so the whole thing is about understanding and acceptance. So I wanted to stay on nice 
neutral ground in a sense because <laughs> Safe we ground. all have a culture yeah. yeah yeah so none of us will feel excluded yeah none of us can feel superior in any way because we all just have a culture that's all just a fact so that's why i wanted to look at it first okay so you're saying that we come in with sort of a framing of oh this is what i think about this sexual orientation or this is what i think about this or you know and so so we almost frame our listening of that well and, particularly when it comes to sexual expression yeah uh gender diversity yeah uh, and Religious elements. Yes, yes, okay. religion too. Um, it's it, it's like there's a dialogue going on in all of society, and it clouds our thinking. Yeah. Right, because we already sort of start to think, what do I agree with? What don't I agree with? And particularly as a psychiatrist. Uh, what you hear is very personal stories. And so you want to be true to those personal stories. Mm. And when you get to know people, you go, oh, this is an issue. This is a problem. But through understanding and acceptance, there's a way through it. And I suppose I wanted people to feel that firsthand cleanly without any agendas or protocols yeah. or anything getting in the way. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, good. Thanks for explaining that. Cultural differences enrich our lives, but they also challenge them. Having a cross-cultural marriage or long-term love relationship, for example, can be like doing a difficult dive in the Olympic Games. It takes work, but it yields more satisfaction. We don't score points in relationships, but we do know when they feel good. A cross-cultural relationship has inherent challenges, but it covers more ground. Awareness of this can help a couple reach a balanced, complex and appropriately focused style of dealing with cultural differences. To do this in a love partnership or in any other relationship involving cultural difference, be aware of the issues, articulate and discuss them, understand each other's culture and behaviours and accept them. Okay, I'm just going to butt in there because just in that, I'm, I'm preparing people for the rest of what I have to say in the book. Yeah. Okay. And it has to do with awareness, articulation, understanding and acceptance mm. rather than do I like this, do I not like this and reacting against things. Okay. Good. So to extend this to relationships, friendships, acquaintances or colleagues which involve diversity, be aware of the issues, articulate and discuss them when appropriate, understand each other's diversity and behaviours and accept them. This curbs feelings of alienation and allows joy and togetherness to flow. Differences can be celebrated and new identities can be forged. My clinical experience is that significant problems occur when cultural and diversity issues are unrecognised repressed or avoided. Being aware of and discussing issues to understand behaviours becomes a gateway to the solution. Take home message, understand and accept rather than repress and avoid. As an illustration of the usefulness of understanding cultural difference and its impact on our emotional lives, we move now to consider specific clinical examples in which cultural difference dominated. Consider the following. These are the stories. Tracy was in a great relationship, but developed a mixed depression and anxiety disorder. Medication after medication failed. When she came to see me, I spent much time getting to know her situation before trialling yet another medication. I surmised that her problem was primarily cultural. She missed the small town she knew and loved in England. The culture of this particular Australian city was vastly different from anything she'd ever experienced. She was turned down for jobs, and she felt pressured to be someone she wasn't. Her relationship with her husband was okay, but he didn't really understand what she was going through. Neither did she. 
We discuss the cultural issues at length, the differences in mannerisms, expectations, behaviours, social interactions and more. This led Tracy to understand more about her own emotional needs based on culture. Eventually, she stopped all medication, made some minor but worthwhile adjustments to her interpersonal style, and she planned a trip back to England once every two years. That was five years ago, and she remains well. Ivan found himself socially excluded at work and scapegoated for some bad outcomes. As a 32-year-old Eastern European office worker in a large accounting firm, he tried to be one of the boys, but he became depressed and suicidal after finding no acceptance and not understanding what he was doing wrong. He had no family history of depression and had no family close by. After ensuring his safety and improving his mood with medication, we began discussing and working on cultural issues. We talked about how some things are done among Australians compared with Eastern Europeans, communication style, humour, personal space, disclosure, attitudes towards authority figures, sport, the work-home balance, and expressions of competitiveness. After six months, Ivan had enough awareness of the situation to get back to work. Things improved rapidly, and after a year, he too stopped all medication. He's well, feels accepted at work, and has now found some dating success. Pause for a minute. I've just shared two examples of people who were able to stop all medication yes. through consideration yes. of cultural issues. Okay, yes. you're going to come in here with this one. Am yes. I going to come in with well, this one? Well, are you? Well, well, do you have a question for me? Uh, no, I don't. All right, so uh, you, you brought up the idea of medication. And the thing about taking medications is uh, it does work in depression. Yeah. Uh, but it becomes uh, something that becomes a go-to thing because medications are easy to take. But medications only take care of the symptoms. Whereas sometimes you've got to look at the underlying cause for a depression to see what's going on. And if you actually find something and can uh, look at that and work th something out, and that's what cultural issues are. They're underlying issues that people don't look at. So if you bring understanding there and can resolve some issues there, then perhaps, not always, but perhaps the need for medication goes away. And for Tracy and Ivan, it did. Okay, so you, and you've worked that way with a lot of patients, I've yeah? I've worked uh, that way with a lot of patients. Okay. And, uh, yeah, there are some who need to still continue taking medication. Yes. And some that can uh, stop taking medication. Yeah. But I'm emphasising here that looking at the underlying issues, the culture, or sometimes the diversity conflict that you have with other people, yeah. and finding a way through that, through understanding and acceptance, hmm. is a way forward and can actually save you taking medication. Yes, yeah, so good if you can get off the medication. Okay, so that's how important culture is to us human beings. That's how sensitive we are to each other for both Tracy and Ivan. It's not that others in intended to exclude them or hurt them, but that's how it came across. And it's not as though they intended to hurt others, but that's how they came across. The importance of cultural differences in how intentions are transmitted from one person to another. The facial expressions, bodily gestures, ways of using words, how direct or indirect emotions are to be expressed are all different. So we receive information from each other very differently. This affects the meaning and our mental health. Okay, I want to pause there because I really think this is good because you're talking about how not only they're perceived but also what they're doing. So, because so people aren't aware of what their their cultural differences are often. Oh, most of us are not aware. That's part of the problem. That's why understanding is a thing that we need first. And uh, we'll, we'll get onto some researchers yeah. that started to articulate some of those things. But the thing is that we are now in a society that is much more diverse. Yeah, and we. We don't even understand the culture, yeah. let alone the 
increased complexity of the diversity. Yeah, and this is what I really want to get onto because, yeah. and this is the second half of my question, because it's all very well for Ivan and Tracy. Yes, they came to see you, but we live in a society that doesn't talk about cultural difference enough. So there must be so many people out there feeling isolated, misunderstood, confused and lonely. Um, and they're already negotiating a new culture. I mean, well, what do they do? Because this is this stuff is not talked about. It's not talked about at and, all. And it's hushed up. It's it, ridiculous. It's so then up. it's even worse for them. Well, and it's very difficult, as you know, because we've had our cultural journey. I've had a cultural journey. We all, in a sense, have a cultural journey, particularly if we move around this world. Yeah. And we move around people that are different. Yeah. Well, where do you get that understanding? Yeah. It's actually very, very difficult. And so that's why um, in the next podcast, we actually go to the cultural anthropologists that articulated all the difference. And see, the thing is that the the difference in diversity when it comes to gender expression, sexual expression, ageism, ableism, and all those things that we're looking at now, we're looking at very complex things in society. Mm. So it's kind of like we've got to understand the basics before we try to understand what's advanced okay mm, yeah you won't be a great dancer if you don't know the basic steps yeah i know so that's why we're looking at culture i know oh, i know I, I understand that but what i'm but, saying there's people in society that are really stuck i mean they've come to a new country that yes. and and they don't understand all of this they don't need know that they could go and see a psychologist and they could explain it or a psychiatrist and they, they don't understand why they're feeling that it's it's very and 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 society is not saying okay this culture is feeling isolated because this because they do some things differently in their country and yes we're not even saying that well, no we're not saying that and the thing is that if you go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist you may not get them looking at cultural things exactly because people don't turn up and say i've got a cultural problem yeah exactly that, yeah yeah that tends not to happen well that's why this podcast is really important oh well, i can't <laughs> let you think that that's why i wrote the book okay all right good okay let's go on let's continue with some more examples jan and sean thought that teaching english as a second language in asia would be great financial gain while seeing the world. Their four-year contract, however, was almost the death knell of their marriage. Learning a new language, getting used to different food and standing out from the crowd, hey, they were easy things. They just weren't prepared for the difference in people interactions. Everyone was nice and polite, but no one invited us over and our invitations were always politely refused. We never knew where we stood. We were told we were doing a fine job, but it didn't feel like it. Nobody encouraged or, or, or even criticised us. Everything was always fine. Polite small talk was our only people contact. Months into the contract, we argued, blamed each other, slept apart, then Sean started going out and paying for sex. We should have stayed at home where we belonged. Couple therapy for Jan and Sean brought understanding, acceptance, forgiveness and a happier way forward after understanding that cultural factors were a large part of the problem. Jason and Haley were 10 years into their marriage and all was going really smoothly. Living in the USA really brought Haley out of her shell. She grew up in a small town in Australia and postgraduate studies took her overseas where she met and married Jason. Haley's parents in Australia were growing frail, so after years in the USA, they moved to the small Australian town. That's when things started going wrong. Jason felt excluded at his work. Haley's parents blamed any change they saw in Haley on the USA. Jason didn't fit in at church. Haley became more reserved and more distant from Jason, who then lost his job. From being a model couple, they were on the brink of divorce. Jason said Haley wasn't adjusting. Haley said Jason wasn't adjusting. Underlying it all, both were just trying to adjust. Their relationship thrived in the USA, but for complex reasons, not in rural Australia. 
we discussed how metropolitan America helped and rural Australia hindered their relationship. Haley and Jason decided to move back to the USA soon. It's not that the USA is better than Australia, the two are just simply different and the cultures impact different people differently. Metropolitan USA was a better place for Jason and Haley to be for their particular circumstances of their relationship. Perhaps their relationships could have done well in a large Australian city, but they had no connection with any. Yeah, I've got to interrupt there because mm. we're talking about relationships in particular here. And when people get angry and depressed, there is a tendency to blame somebody. And unfortunately, the person that gets blamed is the person close to you yes. because there's not the awareness of what is going on. And it's the greater cultural context that can be there. And again, we're not saying that one place is better than the other, but it's just different. And the brain likes that feeling of familiarity so much that it will feel really constricted when it doesn't have that feeling. So it'll look for an answer. Why do I not feel good about where I am at the moment? Mm, mm. And when it's culture, we're not saying that anything's wrong with anybody. It's just different. And this is what's a challenge for the brain. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thanks for that. For Tracy, Ivan, Jan and Sean and Haley and Jason, other factors were at play, personality, values and communication. But the essence of the problem in each case was cultural. The positive outcomes came through understanding these cultural issues. No one was blamed and, with awareness, changes were made. Take-home message, understand that cultural issues can contribute to mental illness. What can be said of cultural issues can also be said of other diversity issues. Diversity issues can contribute to mental illness, particularly stigma, and understanding this helps prevent mental illness. Stigma unfortunately exists in issues of sexual and gender expression. It is intense. Coming out in sexual or gender expressions or political or religious beliefs can cause the friction, relationship breakdown, family disharmony, which leads to mental illness. Disclosing sexual orientation or mental illness benefits the whole community but can come at an enormous cost for individuals. This is because of stigma. Right, but before we get into stigma, there's something that I want to say here, because I know that listeners will be going, okay, I have somebody who has a sexual orientation that I find really difficult, yeah. or has converted to a religion that I find really difficult, or there are all these things with people who are close. And that's where the real friction is, because underlying the diversity, these are people that we love. Mm -hmm. And so the problem is, how do I love somebody that has chosen a lifestyle that I do not agree with? Mm. Now, it's going to take another, I don't know what, uh, nine or ten podcasts to get there because the last thing that I talk about is those sort of differences oh, and those sort of problems in close family relationships. Yes. But if I talk about it now, okay. all right, it's going to get people's hackles up and there's a whole lot of understanding that we have to get to before we can get to the acceptance, which is why I started off with... Um, mental illness and relationships with mental illness because in a relationship we can see that people aren't to blame all right so i just want that seed to settle and mm. grow that you know maybe nobody's to blame but how do we get through through to get some understanding and then some acceptance okay well at least you flagged it we are going to get there oh we are yeah, going so to get that's there great. That's but, but it's it's a very difficult issue and as you said before Society's not talking about yeah. it. And there are reasons why we're not talking about it because we're all very uncomfortable in this, right? Okay. And so we can reach an area of comfort, 
But we've got a lot of things that we've got to look at first. Yeah. And that's why it's a bit of a march before we get there. I'll be interested to see what you say about that. Okay, all right. So let's go into the problem of stigma now. Stigma is a sad side effect of diversity. Stigma means branding, as Nazis did to Jews, homosexuals, and gypsies. The purpose of branding is to demarcate from the herd. We do this to cattle. In the case of people, it sets out to show that they're not like us. Discrimination on the basis of age, rage, religious affiliation, gender, or sexual orientation, aside from being immoral, is a legal offence. But we humans are very cunning. We can subtly bully and stigmatise without breaking the law. Choice of words, tone, looks, or gestures can impart the feeling that you're not accepted. And it's also the feelings underneath, isn't it, that we're talking about? You can feel that we talked about last Oh, most definitely. Podcast. It it's is the feelings, feelings underneath. underneath. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as you know, you can say things, but the feelings underneath can be different. That's right. Being part of a minority group, including having a mental illness or being overweight, is a risk factor for suicide. This is due to stigma from others. Being diagnosed with a mental illness can lead to stigma, even self-stigma. Almost all of the people I treat suffer from stigma in some way. It is, unfortunately, something I battle almost every day. There is a persistent misconception that suffering from mental illness means that someone lacks character or resilience. Fortunately, stigma is less of a problem in younger people, and over 75% of mental Ill health issues occur in people under 25. The hope for the future is that we will have a better understanding of the detrimental effects of stigma. Stigma is receding as more people disclose their mental illness journey. Almost half of the population will experience mental illness in their lives. Many prominent politicians, celebrities and comedians share their experiences of mental illness to help raise community awareness. I, however, get to hear the stories of people who still feel stigmatised. Madison is an attractive, intelligent 27-year-old woman but she is lonely and losing friends. Tell people you hear voices and one by one they forget to see or text you. Maynard lives in a small town. He suffers from schizophrenia and believes that aliens are experimenting on him. People call him crazy. I'm not crazy, am I? He shouted at me one day in desperation. I confidently told him, no, that he was suffering from a treatable medical illness. Years later, Maynard still manages his illness with medication and regular reviews around his part-time job. He never deserved to be given a pejorative label, just as someone living with diabetes is not crazy. People suffering from mental illness are disenfranchised in a way people suffering from other illnesses are not. Because of stigma, many people don't even seek help for psychiatric issues. Mental illness leads to stigma, and stigma can lead to mental illness. People experience stigma for many reasons, for having a physical disability, being divorced, for their sexual or gender expression, their religious beliefs, their ethnicity or their political persuasions. Stigma and alienation contributes to depression and often suicidal ideation. Can you just explain what suicidal ideation is? In a nutshell, it's having ideas of suicide. Oh, okay, just thoughts. Of yeah, suicide. well, yeah. just thoughts. And thoughts themselves are normal. Okay, it's when it gets to the next step that it's a problem. Okay. Stigma is based on otherness. This is, in a sense, another word for diversity, but adds the element of exclusion. 
If we could accept rather than exclude, the human condition would be much healthier. Protective for all of us against suicide is acceptance in the community and a sense of belonging with others. The toll on people for society's non-acceptance of those who are diverse and different is great. The benefits of understanding and accepting those who are diverse and different are equally as great. Take home message, stigma leads to mental illness. Understand it to help prevent it. We can stigmatize a person to death or accept them to life. Celebrate them, share with them and keep them in good health by fostering good feelings underneath. To know how to do this, we need to be aware of how we interact as people. And we'll talk about that next time. Thanks so much for listening. And we'd love to send you a free chapter of Dr. Himes' latest book. So sign up for that in the description underneath this podcast. We share a lot of excellent material in our emails on preventative mental health. And you get discounts on all our books and courses, of course. But we're really looking forward to having you join us next time. See you then.